0: God. So but Happy New Year's looking forward to seeing you this Wednesday night. Amen. Amen. Um, Open up your Bibles to the uh, the book of Ruth and uh, we're gonna be in chapter number one and we will be in verses 6 through 18. If you remember last week we talked about how Bethlehem was experiencing a famine and What that made that famine difficult to accept is that Bethlehem in the Hebrew, it means house of bread. But because the land we had a testimony, had a reputation of being fertile and bountiful and fruitful, but the promise wasn't producing here. And there was no bread in the house of bread, so Elimelech and Naomi along with their two sons, they traveled to Moab because they hear that there is bread in Moab. But... There in Moab, we we talked about it last week, things go wrong. There is tragedy strikes and Limelech dies. And shortly after this, his two sons also die. And Naomi is left there with her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. Not Oprah, but Orpah and Ruth. And shortly after this, Naomi hears that God has visited his people. In Bethlehem, and this is where we sort of pick up the story in verse number 6 of chapter number, uh, chapter number 1. It says, And then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. I, I love that part, by the way. It says that she heard in Moab. It it always amazes me that God can reach you no matter where you are. That no matter how far away that you feel like you are from his purpose and his plans and his promises, you're never too far away in God. God knows where you are. He knows how to reach you. Life has not thrown you into a pit that's so far away that God can't send word to you. That God will start knocking at the door of your life and call you back into his purpose and back to, into his plan and back into his promises. That God is a God of redemption no matter what you think you're lost, God, is a God. the minute that you are start walking away, God is already setting up the plan that brings you back into the fold of his purpose and your plan for his life. Hallelujah. She heard in Moab. She heard in Moab that God was visiting his people. In verse 7, therefore, she went out from that place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. Tell your neighbor and say, tell them, I'm on my way. And Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you into your people. But Naomi, but Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, I have hope, If I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. By the way, that is such a lie of the enemy. The Lord is not against you. He is for you. He has never forsaken you or left you. God says, I know how the plans I have for you, they are good and not of evil, plans to give you a hope in the future. Don't allow the enemy to use the situations that you are going through to feed you alive from the pit of hell. He is for you, not against you. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death parts you and me, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. I want to just talk to you from the subject on the road to Bethlehem. On the road to Bethlehem. Tell your neighbor and tell them I'm on my way. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. I pray that, my God, that you, my God, I thank you that you Are sending your people on a journey. They're going somewhere. They're sending them some. You're sending them someplace. I pray that you would send this word like bread for the journey, my God. That even as you fed Elijah the bread, and he went on forty days and forty nights. Upon that bread, my God, I pray may this word be a bread unto their souls in their spirits in their courage and their hope. My God, I pray that you strengthen the innermost part of them, my God, so that they will not fail along the way, but my God, they will reach the place where you're calling them, my God. My God, I thank you for this moment. We thank you for your faithfulness of how, uh, how far you've brought us. And we thank you that, the, that you who began a good work, my God, are well able, my God, and faithful to complete that which you have begun. That you don't start something, with, my God, without the plans to finish it, my God. We thank you now, my God. We trust you now. I pray that, my God, that you would... Take over now, take over my voice, take over the frame of this body, my God. Show your strength and weakness, and as I open up my mouth, my God, may it be your voice that is heard in every heart, in every mind, in every life. We thank you now, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, At only four chapters in length, the book of Ruth is small. It's probably one of the smallest books in the Old Testament, and yet it is rich and powerful for For one it is powerful because though it is said in the Old testament it's uh, it's very—it's a very pronounced theme of redemption that really parallels uh, in the Old Testament the, the redemption that Christ would bring in the New Testament. You could almost preach the entire gospel out of the book of Ruth itself. It—it is—I it, 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 I I was almost tempted to call this series the Gospel of Ruth because it, it just—it just reads. You can see the gospel so clearly and so pronounced inside the passage. But uh, secondly. Uh, It is powerful because of where the book is positioned. It is set towards the end of the season of Judges. Judges was just after Israel had uh, finished its wanderings in the wilderness, and they have now taken possession of the promised land, but there is no king. And if you know anything, if you have ever taken a read through the book of Judges, you would recognize that it is a very chaotic uh, time in Israel. It is uh, a traumatic time, a very confusing time. It was full of hardship, full of conflict. And some of the most bizarre stories you will see in the Bible, you will find in the book of Judges. Just this crazy, I mean... I don't even want to say sometimes from the pulpit some of the things that were going on in the books of Judges. But there were just crazy things happening. And yes, we also do see in Judges episodes of God's faithfulness. Because God is not afraid to reveal himself in the middle of your mess. He is not afraid to show himself faithful in the middle of your unfaithfulness. That God is not just the God of your beginning and your end. He is also the God of everything that is in between. He is the God of your middle. You should thank God that God is a God of your middle, that he doesn't, he, he doesn't just show up at the beginning, he doesn't just show up in the end. He will show up in the middle of your confusion, in the middle of your fears, in the middle of your doubts, in the middle of your mistakes, in the middle when you felt that you blew everything. God is the God of your middle. He will show up in your, in your issues in the middle. Come on, is there anybody who is in the middle of something? Is there anyone who is in the middle? I got, I, in fact, this word is for all my middle people. You're, you're not where you were, and you're not where you're going, but you're somewhere in the middle. Are you Is there anyone in the middle? That you're in the middle of something. You're in the middle of going to your destiny. You're in the middle of your purpose. You're in the middle of your promise. You're not where you were. I'm not where I'm going yet, but I'm somewhere in the middle. But I hear, I have a word for you that God is the God of your middle. He is the, mid- he is the God of your middle because, because, because in the middle, things in the middle can get confusing. Things in the, things in the middle can get a little bit messy. You need to praise God because you serve a God who is not afraid to step into the middle of it. Hallelujah. The testimony of the middle, it's messy. It's messy, right? It's, it's not as clear-cut. It's not as defined. It, it's, you, 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 you can't rely upon what you were, and you can't rely upon what you're becoming. You can't rely on it. So it's a little messy. It's a little undefined. The, the lines are blurred. They're not clear, but I'm on my way. And to give you an idea, the book of Judges concludes by stating that uh, in those days, this is, the, this is sort of the last words. Of the book of Judges. This is how it concludes. This is the summary of that season. It says, In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's how it ends. They said, The book in this summary, this is how messy it was. And so, the season of Judges has a complicated testimony. And the book of Ruth is caught between two different testimonies, it's in the middle. Uh, Ruth, the, the story of Ruth is a bridge between the age of judges and the ages of kings. It is a book of transition. And I think it is fitting because I really feel in my spirit that, that we are, I'm speaking to a people who are in the middle of a transition. The, the, you're, you're in the middle of something. You're, you're going someplace. There is a transition, in, transition happening in your life. There's a transition happening in your spirit. That you, you, You're on your way. You, you've left something behind, but you're not quite where you're going yet. You're in the middle of a transition. This is the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is a story of, of transition. To give you an idea, Ruth would become the great-great-grandmother of King David. That she is sort of the midwife of destiny, the midwife of history. And whether Ruth realizes it or not, her life is intertwined with events and peoples that would shape the future of Israel. Her name would become tied to the genealogy of Christ himself. And in fact, in fact, in consequence of her name being tied to the genealogy of Christ, it, she now becomes a witness to us all that Christ is not just the Savior of the Jews. He's not just Lord of the Jews, but he is the Savior and Lord of the Gentiles also. And that the Gentiles and the Jews are one in Christ Jesus, one people, and we are core heirs in Christ Jesus. She is a, she is a testimony to us all that Christ is for all nations, that you cannot box God to one culture. And so, and see, some of you don't even realize what God has intertwined your life with. You don't realize why has God has connected you to the people he has connected you to. You don't realize why God has put you where you are, when you are. You don't realize why, why he's positioned you where he's positioned you. You don't realize why that, that, that door closed and this door opened. You don't, you, you don't know why he gave you the passion that he gave you the passion for. You don't know why God brought you to the place that you're in right now and why you are where you are for such a time as this. God has put you in the middle of something. I'm here to tell you God has put you in the middle of something. He's positioning you in the middle of something. Ruth, you don't even realize what you're mixed up in, but God has put you in a destiny moment. He's put you in the middle of something, and you don't even realize that you're a part of something so much bigger that you can really recognize or see or know you're in the middle of something. Help me preach to your neighbor and tell them you're in the middle of something. Yeah, you're in a place of transition where one thing is ending and the other thing is beginning and you are a part of both. You're a part of the ending and you're a part of the beginning. You're in a place of transition and here you are, you're in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of something. I don't even know fully what it is yet, but I just know. I, I sense it. I sense it. I'm in the middle of something. I can't describe it to you. can't define it to you. can't tell you why, what it is. But I know that I've been put in a place. I'm in the middle of something. There's events happening. And somehow I find myself in the middle of events that I didn't even, even know were significant. Ruth is in the middle of something. And all of it is hanging upon a decision. Ruth is in the middle of the road, and which way her life takes is dependent upon a decision. Decisions are powerful. One decision can change your life. One one decision can transition you from one place in one story to another story. Some of you, you're one decision away from a breakthrough. One decision away from a life change. Decisions are powerful. That's why the Bible says that that decisions, decisions, you're in the valley of decisions, but God is near in the valley of decisions. Because Naomi at this point has basically expressed to them that this is where they should part ways. And she's trying to persuade them that This is for the best that they should go back to their life in Moab, and uh, uh, and uh, life in Moab. And Oprah sort of, Orpah sort of, she reluctantly accepts what Naomi is telling her, and with tears, she turns back and she walks back to her life in Moab. And Ruth is standing there alone in the middle of the road between where she came from and where she started to go. And and she is in this proverbial fork in the road. And she's, she has to decide, does she return to Moab or does she move forward to Bethlehem with Naomi? And little does she know that hanging in the balance Or what what is hanging in the balance of this decision? That this decision that she makes in this moment is going to be pivotal in the direction her life takes. And I just feel someone's in the middle of pivotal decisions, crucial decisions. And not because not only with this, not only will her decision shape her life, but it will shape the nation of Israel. It will shape how we view the genealogy of Christ and what Christ came to do. So no no pressure, Ruth. There is a lot hanging in the balance. But here's the thing. That's just that Ruth really has no idea what's hanging in the balance of this decision. We know because we get to turn the pages and we know the story, we know all... I mean all what's lined up or what's hanging in that decision, but Ruth has no idea. And that's that's the thing that most pivotal decisions that we make in our life, they are they rarely announce themselves. They don't come to you and say, hello, I'm a pivotal decision. You should pay really close, pay attention to me. You should probably fast and pray before you make this decision. Most of the time, the most pivotal decisions in our life, most of the time they look inconsequential at the time that we make it. They they, they don't look, they don't seem all that important. They seem of little consequence in that moment. In fact, most of the pivotal decisions that I've made in my life it's only in retrospect, as I look back, that I recognize those decisions, that they were pivotal decisions. It, uh, in, in fact, sometimes when I look back at some of those decisions, to be honest, I had just had no idea what was hanging in that decision, that my life would have taken a completely another turn if I had not made that decision, sometimes it's almost scary. I said, I said, my, if I knew, I would be sweating, I would be praying, I would be asking for counsel, I would be fasting and praying. I had no idea. What was hanging in the balance of this? In fact, in fact, so, someone, someone was uh, talking to me and they were asking me you know, you know, for some wisdom and how did I get where I got and how did I make the decisions I made. And if I wanted to, I could really sound profound that I had it all mapped out and all figured out and I just made all the right turns and I knew what was coming and, 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 and then I, I prayed and the Lord showed me a vision and, and I knew what I had to do. But it was, I had no clue, not a clue. What was hanging in those decisions, <clears throat> and while I didn't know what was in the decision, what I felt that God gave me during that time was a what I w- would define as a prompting, a prompting in my spirit. Uh, those of you who uh, uh, know prompts, like like in my notes, if you public speak, you probably have prompt. You have little. You may have a word. That it will trigger your memory. It's not the full information. It's just a prompt that says, "Take your message that way. Take your conversation that way." It's a prompt. If you if you if you do diff- different plays, sometimes you have somebody there with a little note card to give you a prompt, a cue of what to say and when to say it. There was and and that's what I feel that God gave me. There was a prompting, a pull in my heart. I pulled in my heart that said, "This way," or "Go there." Um, I didn't have time in the last service, but I, I, I can remember. I think it was 19 yeah it was 1995, and me and Pastor Z we did, we just were doing things here and there and different different conferences and but I we, you know we I, we went to separate churches. I was uh, he he also then he worked in the library and I worked in a hardware store, and, and we would come together and pray and, and things and, and I remember. We, we were together, and, and I left, and I was on my way driving. I think, I think it was, uh, uh, I was driving on the 605 freeway. I can remember the freeway. I can remember I looked out my window, and, they, and there was just just a, a question that popped in, it said, it popped in my head. I said, what would you do if I took Pastor Z's, put him somewhere else? And I remember I, I sat there, and I said, why are you asking me this, God? And I said, I said, I don't know. I guess I, maybe I would go. That's how I had. I just had no idea. And this was 20, almost 25 years ago. And and then then, then just a pull. I, I it's called a, a pull in my heart that said this was before cell phones, so I couldn't dial him up and say, Hey, I'm on my way. There was no cell phones. There was maybe beepers, and he didn't have no beep, uh, beeper. Those of you who uh, 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 some of you are looking at me, what, what the heck is a beeper? Well, before phones, there was the little box thing, and you used to dial it, dial it up, and you put your phone number, and it goes beep, 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 and then you had to go to a pay phone and call the number. <laughs> uh, you don't know nothing about that, do you? <laughs> if you had a beeper, you were in. I mean, you were you were down. Sometimes when you were young and you were a teenager, you wore it, and no one wanted to beep you anyway. <laughs> But, but you felt cool. But anyhow, anyways, there was a pull in my spirit that, that said, go and pray with him right now. And, and I went, and the rest, the rest is sister, But I had no idea at that time that decision would affect the rest of my life. There was a, just a prompt, a prompt that said, go this way, do this Do this with this person. Say yes to this. Say no to that. Go. There was just a pull that was in my heart. And I believe the prompt for Naomi and Ruth came when they heard that the Lord was visiting his people. Because the Bible says, right there when it says she heard, it is the Hebrew word shama. Now, the Hebrew word shama, it, it, it means more than just to hear but it means to hear thoughtfully or another in an in, or it also in ways to hear with obedience and it caught my attention because if i if i go back to what they heard i did not hear because if there is an obedience in a ways, there was a command but if i go back to what what they heard i didn't hear a command in it the bible just says that they they heard that the lord was visiting his people but it's it shows me that even though there was not a command in what they heard that in the context or in the spirit of what they heard it was more than just news because you understand that when god tells you something it's much more than what he says Okay, that God can give you one word, and that one word can deliver you. It's not so much the word, there is, the, there, is a, there is a nuance, there is a power, there is a conviction, there is a spirit, there is a boldness in the nuances of the word. He, 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 when Peter was about to step out into the waters, okay... That's a pretty big deal, right? He's about to do something that no one else had ever done before. He has no context for what he is about to do. And all that Jesus told him to do was say, he just said, come. I don't know if I would take that leap of one word. Do you understand what I mean? I'm preaching a whole sermon. I think it will take maybe a 10-part series for me to start considering it. Some of you, 20-part series. But, it was one word, come. But there was something more. It, it, it was not just news. There was a summons that was pulling them. There was a calling that, that was something was tugging at their heart. It was more than the, a word. It was a prompt. Are you feeling what I'm saying to you? Uh, when when, 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 when uh, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and he told her all that he was going to do, Part of, and he said as he was speaking to Mary, he said, listen, your cousin is also pregnant too. Now, the angel did not say, I want you to go to Elizabeth. But there was something in what, how, the, how the angel said it. There was a prompting that said, go that way. Go towards Elizabeth. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The Bible says Simeon was, was just walking. And then all of a sudden, he, says he, was, he was compelled by the Spirit to go into the temple courts. And he stepped into the temple courts right as Jesus was coming in to be dedicated. Why did he go there? He has no idea. There was just a tug. There was a prompt in his spirit that said, go this way right now. You're about to meet with destiny. Tell your neighbor and tell them it's about the prompt. It's about the prompt. Many times, your life is not going to be defined by your ability to resolve to digest the information and make the calculations on what to do next and which way to turn. Sometimes, many times, your life is going to be defined by how your ability to respond to the prompt, your ability to discern the prompts of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My life, if you want to know my life, it's not that I had it all together. It's not that I had it all figured out. But I began to be figure out the prompts of God. When God would say, go this way. Because this is how the Holy Spirit really leads you. The, the Holy Spirit does not lead you like a GPS system. It's saying, Holy Spirit, I wish to go here. And the Holy Spirit is well, really good. Just, just take the next road in five meters, make a right turn. And then, and, then, and then in a half kilometer after that, you will experience traffic. You will reach your destination in 20 minutes. I wish he was like that. I wish the Holy Spirit told me how long it was going to take and which ways I'm going to have to go and what I was going to experience there and what the weather was going to be like as I was going there. (laughs) No, the Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't lead like that. He leads through the prompt. It's more more like a compass. A a compass doesn't doesn't tell you all of the roads and it doesn't tell you all the weather and the traffic. It just says, go that way. It just, it just points you into a direction. In fact, there, the, the way if you know the way a compass works, uh, uh, there, there is a, a small magnet in there, and it spins, and it's, it is tied to the magne- magnetic poles of the earth, and it, and it shifts according to the magnetic pole of the earth, and that's sort of how the Holy Spirit leads you. There's a pull upon your heart that says, this way, go right, don't go there. It, 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 and, and as I'm saying with words, it's not even with words, it's just a tug on your heart. A, a conviction in your spirit. And if you ask people why, you can't even describe it. There's no details. God doesn't really, so much, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you with the details. He doesn't lead you with the information. He leads you with the prompts. So the Bible said they, they, they all got up together. They, they, went, they, they, they actually set out together on the road to Bethlehem. The the Bible says they all got up. They all arose and they started on the road to Bethlehem. You you remember the scripture. They they got up together and they set out. along. They were on on their way there. They were on their way to Judah. They were on their way to Bethlehem. They were somewhere in the middle. It doesn't tell us how far they went or how far along the way they went. But somewhere along the way, somewhere in the middle, things got confusing. Naomi... Starts to have a change of heart about bringing Orpah and Ruth, and and maybe I don't know. Maybe she started to feel the weight of the responsibility, and now there was a fear that she would not be able to deliver. What she thought she would be delivered and deliver on the expectations. And so there is a maybe there was a fear. I, I don't know if it was the bitterness of the past of what had happened. She'd, maybe she didn't want to remember what had happened to her, or maybe she was afraid of what was going to happen there in Bethlehem, or maybe it was a little combination of both. Maybe a little bit, there was a little bit of bitterness and a little bit of fear. Regardless, she decides she's going to send them away. That she doesn't want to carry this load with her. And so, uh, see, this is why sometimes bitterness and fear is so dangerous. That because in your fear, sometimes you keep pushing people away. That God sends to redeem your story. That you keep sending away the help that God keeps sending you. You keep pushing them. You keep pushing away his promises. You keep pushing away his voice. You keep pushing away... uh, You see, sometimes fear will have you pushing away the things you need to embrace and embracing the things that you should be pushing away. And I said that to ask you this. What are you pushing out that God is trying to bring into your life? Because I sense you're pushing something. What has God been saying to you that you're trying to push out of your heart? What is is the idea that keeps coming to your mind that you're trying to push out? What instruction keeps coming to your spirit that you're trying to push out? What is God trying to bring into your life that fear has you pushing out? I say this because while I, I do recognize there are some things we definitely should be pushing away. But I have a, a certain inclination in my spirit, a, a, I have a nudge in my spirit that, that there are some things and ideas and instructions and callings that you keep pushing out. You keep talking yourself out of something that God is trying to talk you into. That that God keeps sending his promises to you and he keeps nudging you and he keeps prompting you, but you keep talking yourself out of the prompting of God. You 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 you, you use all the facts and the calculations and all the information and you're you're pushing out the prompting of God. But as strong, because as strong as God's voice is, that other voice also sounds convincing. And this is this is where the situation lies. Naomi's argument. It sounded convincing. Look at this back in verse 12. Verse 12, verse number 1. Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, hmm. if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they're grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughter's report, it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. This is the best case scenario that Naomi could come up with. She said, if, if the, somehow the stars aligned, she said, if, if, if the best case is by some miracle, I found a husband tonight, and By some miracle, I got pregnant tonight. And by some other miracle, that child happens to be a son. And by some miracle, I get pregnant again. And again, that child is a son. Are you going to wait for them to grow up? (laughs) In other words, she said, if the best case scenario happened, there's still no hope. My God, the devil's a liar, isn't he? She said, if the best case scenario happened, still no hope. But I carried some, you know, in one context, I see that she's right. With the information that she has, with what she has ability to to weigh in the moment, she's right. It makes sense. Uh, Many times the calculations in your head it makes sense to you, right? You know, two plus two equals four, and it it makes sense. But what amazes me is that when you contrast, because we had the advantage of going through Scripture, when you contrast Naomi's scenario, Naomi's calculations about what she thought maybe could happen, and you try and you lay that level that against. What actually happened. You realize that her calculations and imagination fell so short of what God was actually going to do. He was nowhere in the box of what Naomi was proposing. He was way over here. I begin to understand why the Bible says, lean not Upon your own understanding, in all of your ways, acknowledge me. And he said, then I will direct your path. Sometimes the greatest obstacle to following God is your own calculations and your own imaginations. Because your own calculations and imaginations, far, they fall far short of what God really wants to do in your life. Are you understanding me? But then again, how? See, that's it. How do you calculate God? How do you calculate a God who will bring water out of the rock? You never would have calculated that. There's no way you can figure that out. How do you calculate a God who brings manna from heaven? Joseph, how do you calculate a God who can bring you out of the prison and straight into the palace? How do you calculate a God who can bring Lazarus out of the tomb? How do you calculate? There is no way that you're going to be able to calculate how God is going to do it. There's no way you're going to calculate. There's no way that you're going to figure him out. See, could it be the reason? See, some of us are so frustrated because all of our calculations... It feels like nothing's happening and everything that you gamed out doesn't seem to be happening. And everything you calculated and you expected to happen is not happening. But could it be the reason that God is not, not fulfilling your expectation and fulfilling your calculations is because your expectations and your calculations far, far short of what God really wants to do in your life. And you're trying to calculate a God that can't be calculated. You're trying to fit him in the box of your calculation and you can't do it. Whew. Because thank God that God didn't meet Naomi at the level of her expectation. Thank God he didn't try to fit his plans into her calculations. No wonder Paul says in Ephesians 3, 20, 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do... Whew, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask think or imagine according to his power that is at work in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen you should give glory to God that you serve a God who does not, act, who can go above your calculations, above your imaginations. He does not fulfill your imaginations. He exceeds your imaginations. He exceeds your calculations. Somebody said, "Glory be to God." Glory be to God. That didn't leave me up to my calculations. Glory be to God. That he didn't. That he he met me outside the box. Of what I could imagine and dream and calculate and try to figure out. Glory be to God. Paul says glory be to God. Paul said I would have never gamed this out. I would have never imagined that he would use me the way that he used me. And and he, he would take me to the places he'd take me. I would have never imagined or expected or calculated it. It goes far beyond that glory be to God. That's why Hebrews 11.3 declares, by faith, we understand. By faith, we understand. We don't understand with our heads. We understand by our faith. Because when you're dealing with a God that can't be calculated, you're not going to understand him in your head. The only way you're going to understand him is in your faith. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of something it will feel like you have more reason to go back than to move forward. And where God is taking you won't make sense in your head. I want to warn you now, what God, where God is going to take you won't make sense in your head. That's why you're confused in the middle of the road. Because where God is taking you does not make sense in your head. The, the, the numbers are not adding up. The calculation, that, and, and God keeps telling you to move forward, and you're looking at the numbers and it doesn't make sense but where my mind falls short of understanding, by faith I understand. Because while my head wants to understand what and how, my faith understands not the what and the how, but it understands the who. It understands who God is, In that if God is for me, who can be against me? That, 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 that I serve a God that, that, that is faithful. He is faithful. He doesn't just do faithful things. He is faithful. That he's not the man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. That what he promised and declared he shall also fulfill. This is the God that you serve. And I don't understand how. And I don't, I don't understand how he's going to do it. And when he's going to do it. But I understand who. I'm serving and who I'm following. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what faith understands. Your mind wants to understand what, but faith tells you who. That he who made the promise is faithful. That's what Abraham said. He said, he said, he said, he looked at his body and his body was as good as dead. And Abraham says, I don't understand how he's going to do it, but I understand that he who made the promise is faithful to do it. I don't know how, I don't know what, but I trust who. That's what faith gives you. That's what faith gives you. I may not understand in my head, and my head may be confused, but there is a trust in my spirit that keeps urging me forward. And, and, and sometimes you, you're locked in this conflict. Your head is telling you one thing. saying this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. But in your spirit there is a trust that says it doesn't matter. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Because sometimes, let me, let me tell you, sometimes moving forward will not make sense. This is where Ruth finds herself in. When she listens to you know, Naomi, she says, moving forward does not make sense. Going back, counting your loss, and just going back makes sense. I don't bring or- Orpah to a certain degree. It didn't make sense to move forward. Naomi was right. What hope is there? But sometimes when you, when you don't understand in your head, there's something in your spirit, a trust in your spirit that you can't explain that says keep moving forward. In fact, when God communicates with me, he doesn't communicate to you uh, he doesn't communicate to you in your head. The Bible says that his spirit testifies to our spirit that we are the sons of God. He doesn't testify to my head. He testifies to my spirit. That's why my head is confused because he's not speaking to my head. He's prompting my spirit. That's why God speaks to prompting. He doesn't give you information. He gives you promptings because he's not speaking to your head. If you wanted to speak to your head, he would give you information. He would give you facts. He would give you figures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But because he's not speaking to your head, he prompts you in your spirit. And what you have to do in this conflict is that... You have to allow what He's prompting your what He's prompting in your spirit to speak to your head, to testify to your head, and not your head try to testify to your spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because if it is as your spirit testifies to your head, then by faith now I understand. I'm making calculations or making decisions now, not based on what. Not the facts in my head, but what my spirit is telling me on the inside. How could I describe it? Uh, God tells Noah, build a boat. I, I, I know this is, this is Sunday school stuff, but, but this is, it is a good example. He says, build a boat, right? It doesn't make sense. There's no rain. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Why am I building a boat? Why am I spending all these years building this thing? It doesn't make sense. But what he does is he allows, he doesn't allow his head to speak to his spirit. He allows his spirit to speak to his head. So he builds practically according to what he hears in his, you see? You see how, now by faith I understand. It is not my mind dictating to my spirit. It's my spirit dictating to my head. Tell you never i By faith we understand. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that the man without the Spirit can't understand the things that come from the Spirit of God. It's foolishness to him. And sometimes, following God is, it will make you feel foolish for a moment. It looks foolish. It looks foolish to stretch your, stretch your stick over the sea and expect something to happen. It's foolish does not look smart. It's foolish to try to run to a giant with only a rock in a sling in your hand, hands. It's foolish. Everyone looked at him and they said, what in the world is he doing? Where is the armor I gave him? Where is the so-? It looks foolish. What, praising God at midnight in the prison looks foolish. And at some point in the journey, to keep trusting and hoping in God is going to feel foolish. To keep moving forward, it's going to feel foolish. But that's why God does not move with, with information. He moves with the prompt. And so the Bible says that as she's hearing this, and Naomi says, go. But the Bible says, Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. And there was something about that action when the Bible says she clung to her. I, I don't know if you, you've been all following the news about what's been happening in the Bahamas. And it's a tragedy. And and, you know, and the news, you know, they had this video footage of people clinging to their roofs because the wind was blowing so strong that it threatened to blow them away. Almost 200 kilometer uh, per hour winds were blowing, and so they were clinging with all their life to the roof because if they didn't cling, they would have they would have been blown away. They would have drowned if they didn't cling. And so when I saw when I saw Ruth cling to Naomi, it shows me there's a storm that you can't see. A storm in her mind, a storm of confusion, a storm of fear, but. There is a knowing in her, a prompt in her spirit, and there's a battle, and she clings to Naomi. I want you to understand she's not clinging to the person. She's clinging to what Naomi represents. Because she says to Naomi, it says, where you go, I am going. In other words, you represent a destination you represent a path, you represent a direction, you represent the prompting He said where you go i 'm going to go, your people are going to be my people, your God is going to be my God where you die i 'm going to die where you 're buried i 'm going to be buried i 'm clinging and sometimes when you 're in the middle you sometimes you've this is why i love ephesians the bible says having done everything to stand and sometimes all you can do in the storm in the middle is cling to your purpose cling to your destiny in other words you got to be have a little stubbornness in you that refuses to let go And that says, I know what my head is telling me. I know what people are telling me. I know it does not make sense. I know the numbers don't add up. But I'm going to be starting and I'm going to cling because there's a prompting in my spirit that my destiny, my future is in Bethlehem. It's this way. I can't explain it. I can't tell you why. I just know it's this way. And she clung. Like Jacob. The Bible says he was wrestling with the Lord and he would not let go. He told he said I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. Imagine the angel told him let me go. Jacob said no. This is the type of faith God loves. You have to have a certain tenacious and stubborn faith that says, God, I'm not going to let you go. I, we wrestled here too long. We wrestled, the, we, we, we believed too long. We, the, I've been here all night long, and I'm not going to leave empty-handed. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And this is what Ruth was clinging to. She says, excuse me, that come hell or high water, no matter what. I am going forward in this. It doesn't make sense, but I have come too far to go back now. I believe too long to go back now. I've I've invested too much faith and I've lost too much stuff to go back to where I came from. I am going forward in this. I'm going to find out if God is real or not. I'm going forward. The Bible says she decided. And what I love is, you ready for this? And it says, Naomi was quiet. That's how you silence the storm. You get determined. When she, when, when she, when, when she heard, if I, it's like Esther, if I perish, I've decided. I'm done. No matter what happens, I'm moving forward. What could Naomi say after that? There was no more argument after that. Nothing she could say to persuade her. And the, the Bible says, Naomi stop speaking Whew. you want to silence the enemy in your life cling and say i'm going forward i don't care what you say to me i don't i, I don't care what doubts you bring i don't i don't care the argument in my head i'm not letting go i'm moving forward i'm not going back no matter what reason if i perish i perish but i'm going to perish going forward and the bible says she was quiet If you're in the middle, it can get stormy, it will get messy. You'll be confused, you'll be challenged. But I encourage you right now, cling to it. Cling to it, cling to it. Tell your neighbors that cling to it. Cling to your purpose, cling to your promise, cling to your destiny, cling to it, cling to it. It does not make sense, but cling to it. She clung, she clung. She, 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 just, she said, I, I'm, I'm not letting you go unless we go together. I'm not letting go. Somebody, this, this help me preach to you and never say, cling to it. I'm done. Let's rise on our feet. I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of something. Came too far to go back. I'm in the middle of something. I know I'm not where I'm going yet, but I'm in the middle of something, and I'm clinging to it. I invested too much, prayed too hard. I'm clinging to it. I know the numbers don't add up, but I don't care. I'm clinging to it. Hallelujah. 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 I'm clinging to it. Don't grow weary in good doing. Cling to it. For in due season, you shall. You shall. Ruth, you shall reap a harvest. (laughs) You shall reap a harvest. You have no idea what's in front of you. But right now you have to cling. You have to cling. (laughs) I, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place testifying to someone so could this message be your prompt to cling to it it's pivotal you feel the pull Cling to it, cling to the testimony. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're the God of our middle. I pray right now that those who are in a storm of confusion We can't see it, but they're clinging. I pray right now, Father God, that you embolden their hearts, strengthen their spirits. May this word, Father God, be the truth that girds them to withstand the storm of confusion. to cling to what you're doing. To stand and keep standing. Because they're on their way. They're on their way. You're on your way. You're on your way. You're on your way. Bethlehem is just in front of you. You're on your way. You're on your way. Father God, we thank you now. In Jesus' name.